So, hello everybody and welcome to uh, Vagabond Actors Podcast. Uh, my name is Gary Condes and I'm talking to you from London. And my colleagues, as always, are Brian Casp, who is in Prague right now. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> the days, as you said before we were recording, are getting very fuzzy. Uh, uh, yeah. Minutes emerging into hours, hours into days. The sun comes up, sun goes down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And suddenly we're in a fiddler on the roof. <laughs> uh, it's hard not to draw um, comparisons and connections everywhere you go with, with all of that. Um, but we also have uh, Andrea Martin, who is talking to us from Mallorca. Hello, Andrea. Hello. Hi, everybody. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, it's it's same here. I think the days are, are more marked by... Um, you know, the basics. I'm so comfortable in my sweatpants. <laughs> I just, just putting on pants is such a challenge, you know? Hate that visual picture, why don't you? Well, they're New Balance sweatpants, very comfortable with pockets. Got to have pockets in my sweatpants because, <laughs> you know, where do you put your phone when you're walking around? You know, I have two kids who are 10 or 11 now and seven, and so... There's a certain structure to my day, which is very much about getting them to do the stuff that is a structure for them. It's interesting looking at the difference between the people who are who have kids and who have a certain energy that needs to go into making sure the kids don't kill each other, and the people who are single or who are childless and are, are also artists who it seems like they're able to focus a little bit more on, hey, let's be more artistic. And and that could be just the grass is greener kind of thing. But I'm going to start, and this is partly through the Prague Film School, where I'm also a teacher, I'm going to start a weekly The Artist's Way group, oh, where we're going to start working through the artist's way, because I think that that could be a great way to center ourselves and get some kind of daily touchstone and really spend some quality time with our inner artists. So I'm going to try and get back into that. I, I was actually looking through my old Artist Way book, and it was in when I was going to to Playhouse West, when, when Andrea and I, with you, or even maybe before I was in your class, Andrea, mm. that I that I'd started it. And uh and I was reading through some journals and things like that. And I was very angsty. It was uh, very interesting. But, but so that's, that's what I'm going to be doing for my artistry starting tomorrow is working on the artist's way. That's great. And mm. it sounds like even, even with a couple of kids, which, you know, I don't have kids. So I don't, I, you know, it, it's. You don't know the joy that it brings? I don't, I don't know the joy that it brings. Um, <laughs> and, and the torture, the sweet, the, sweet torture. Yeah, all, all of that bittersweet stuff. But, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean I make more use of my time that I'd have not having kids, if you know what I mean. But, um, but it sounds like, you know, it sounds like there's a bit more of a structure perhaps. Um, um, but a question is, is and, and I know Andrea, you know, you've got a, a, a child too. And I mean, it sounds obvious, but it, it it must have having so much time together on a daily basis that you don't normally have. Is there one thing that has perhaps either changed or deepened because mm. of because of your time forced enforced time together, however bitter sweet, bitter or sweet, mm. torture or pleasure? 
<laughs> Andre? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Well, look, I mean, again, really briefly. So, I mean, I just moved here to Spain in September. And so, as so many of my expat friends have prepared me, um, the first six months to 12 months can be, can feel really chaotic. And I do feel I've got a little bit of an advantage with the whole COVID thing because I've been here, um, trying to create kind of a new life, separated from my friends and family, you know, communicating over time zones, uh, waiting for paperwork to come through where I can start fully working again. And so sort of on hold. And I've been, I've been in this position now for, six, seven months. And so in a way I'm a bit prepared for it. Um, and there have been some lovely revelations about what that does to me and how well or not well I deal with it. And so I've been taking that in and assessing and, you know, trying to determine what it is I need to do that learning about self that most actors pay maybe more attention to than the average Joe. And so now I'm experiencing things with my family around me 24-7 pretty much. I feel like I've come up pretty close, you know, with myself in a way. And what I feel that I'm doing well or handling well and what I feel I need to handle better. And so having somebody reflecting that back to you in your own space in the moment is really helpful, just like in a scene, somebody to call your behavior. And now I have maybe one more person who's normally at school from nine to five calling my behavior and going, mama, I don't like that you did that. Or mama, that's awesome that you did that. Let's mm. cuddle. Mama, come out into the sunshine and dance with me. So whether it's a, a beautiful moment she's inviting me to, or she's just holding the mirror up and saying, yeah, you're not doing this so well. It really has created a sense of urgency for me, I think, to examine how I want to be in, in my time and space. And, right. um, and for that, I, I suppose I'm grateful because I probably spent too much time while she's been off at school the last few months, just sort of muttering under my breath, you know, frustrated with the slower pace of things or the distance or the missing things or, you know, not speaking Spanish fluently yet. Whatever the frustration was in the moment, it was sort of inside of me and didn't really have a space to be released. And so now maybe I have another acting partner in a way. And of course, she reflects back to me the importance of, for me, of setting an example for her. Yeah, it, I'm hearing it also from people. There's a lot of self-examination going on, and it sounds mm -hmm. it, it makes sense. It makes complete sense, and it's kind of one big self-examination. This whole thing that's going down, um, yeah. Um, and it's either it's forcing ourselves individually to go inwards, but also because we are in lockdown with other people. It's not everybody, but a lot of us, like mm -hmm. you say, they are mirrors back, and we're getting perhaps reflections back more intensely uh, on a daily basis, which, you know, whether it's someone reflecting back to us or ourselves reflecting inwards, there is no such thing as nothing. It's all there to be yeah. dealt with. I myself here have just been really spent this week more sort of finding myself and I'm getting more in touch, you know, whereas I might have called my mother once a day or once a week or once every couple of days. I'm like, we're FaceTiming every few days and and I'm discovering a, a different side of her. We're, you know, more pally than it's ever been before, which is a very strange thing. Wow. Um, so that's quite cool. 
Um, just picking up on Brian's um, sweatpants situation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I might I might throw a picture into uh, into into the Instagram chat. Yeah, please do. I think we need to do a promo with this episode, Brian. You know, I, I think we need to give away some oh, sweatpants. sweatpants? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, just to bring some levity to the situation, and, and picking up on just you know picking up on that I, is there a bizarre thing happened to me like the other day? A realization is um, doing the washing. And putting out, hanging out the clothes. I've realized that because I've been indoors so much, I'm not wearing any socks or hardly any socks. And therefore, the amount of socks that we've been washing in this household has gone down considerably. So we're not <laughs> washing any socks. We're not wearing any socks because we all walk around, me and my girlfriend walk around barefooted. So it's a kind of mm. similar thing. And that was a bizarre thing going, where are all the socks? We're not hanging out any socks. And it's like <laughs> because we're not wearing them because we're indoors all the bloody time. So, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, you know, sweatpants and socks. Maybe that's what we'll call this episode. Oh, I like um, that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Okay. This episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now, look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner. And if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters, your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member. You can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put Vagabond Actors 25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. So one thing I want to put to you guys is it's an eternal thing and it's a problem that arises all the time and I've heard people talk about it and it's, you know, I've never been really satisfied with how people sort of deal with it and it's always good to understand how or any one thing and it's always good to know what people do in this situation and that is what do you do as an actor in rehearsal or on set or on the job or in performance um, when the other actor opposite you or actors aren't giving you enough as you perceive it, aren't doing anything as you perceive it, are not connecting with you, are bad actors from your point of view, all of these things. So what do you do when an actor isn't giving you anything? Who would like to pick that baton up first? Oh, I love it. I think I think you should pick it up first, though, Andrea. Really? <laughs> I, I, I want to hear what you say. You're so eloquent you about what you learned from your children. I felt so base in comparison. I want to hear oh. what you have to say, Andrea. Well, honestly, my, my first response was quite base. I was imagining being on set and taking off my sweatpants and my socks and throwing them at my acting partner to try and get some sort of reaction. In the face. <laughs> in the face. How do you deal with this? <laughs> That's it. That's just illuminated the whole topic. We can't move on from that. (laughs) Wake up. (laughs) Are you alive? God damn it. Take my socks, god damn it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, 
There are a number of different ways to go about this, but I will, I will speak to one approach that I've, um, employed and that I have found myself sharing with a number of actors because I think it's very, it's very intimate and personal, the work that we do. So this really just comes from, from my experience, but I I do know that it has helped a number of students. And so it may or may not resonate, but I find that you do have to find that it'll sound maybe simplistic, but I think you do have to seek out the love in the scene. You have to, you find that drive, the love for something or someone or a need. And, and often these things originate in, in a few basic emotional waves. So if I'm not getting what I need from my partner, my first effort is to create something within myself that I think my partner may respond to because it will be organic and it will be personal between the two of us. So maybe I'm doing a scene and in the scene I'm in love with a character and my partner is completely distasteful to me because he, I'll just say he, but it could be he or she, of course, uh, because he is a smoker who shows up to rehearsal late and he's disrespectful and uh, he doesn't ever do his homework and he doesn't really look at me in the scene. And when I do my takes, he's not really present. Like all of these things that to me add up to, ugh, you know, this is not my ideal scene partner. But what I try to develop in myself, first of all, is a love for this person. So I make it very personal. I make it, let's say, let's call him. Of course, all, all of the names of the actors that I've experienced this with come to mind, but I can't choose any of them. Okay. So let's call him Daniel. So, so I create really a love from Andrea to Daniel. I try and find something in him and his personality that I can admire, that I can be warm to, that I can connect to, that I can maybe feel is a secret between the two of us, something that I understand about him, maybe that other people don't, a way of seeing his behavior uniquely that opens me up to him emotionally. And um, in this way, I can be more authentically loving And oftentimes by being authentically loving and open to my partner, I generate a connection from them to me because they feel it. They feel it's organic and truthful. And suddenly they, and they know I'm really looking at them and they know I'm really talking to them. And then they react and they open up and they come to life. And so sometimes just by really caring more about my awful acting partner, I can kind of jig them out of their way of being and get them connected to me and get them loving something in the scene. Even if it's just that they love feeling being seen or love feeling being heard, there's a glint that can wake up and, uh, and I can, I can overcome that. So that's, that's my first idea. Right. Nice. 
I mean, what you're recognizing there is first and foremost, a necessity to connect, it seems to me. And then yes. using something internally, whether it be imaginative or, or not, to help you do that or to overcome any obstacles that they may be presenting to you. That's right. And that's a key, right, is the connection. Because mm -hmm. there's that thing where you may have ideas of how it should be or like it to be. It might, you might want it more dynamic or more volcanic than it actually is happening. But unless you connect with where it is right now, you'll never get to where you want it to be. Exactly. So, you know, there's their sense of playing it where it is. You know, you have this idea and you, you might have to play beneath what you think the scene should be in order to connect with this person. Let's say you want it to be more angry and you want this person to be shouting at you and losing it with you and they're not, whether they can do it or not, or whether they are making choices that are inhibiting them or they're just making choices that they're not doing. It's like what I mean by beneath is that it's you have this idea that you, you two are going to have a good old ding dong. And you're going to be at each other's throats and it doesn't happen that way. So therefore, you've got to take a step down from that idea. On the page, and sometimes you're, you're, you're pushed in that direction also by the playwright or the screenwriter who's given you some stage directions that says, you know, she's like lashing into him. And so you want to be in that row and, and, and you know that truthfully your partner's not fully engaged in it. Or if he or she is. It's a surface row. And so, you know, in order to bring this thing to life, you either have to pull back from the expectation of what you see in your mind's eye or what you think the writer or director is looking for and just get really simple and connected first. And sometimes that means just taking the breath, right? Just taking a breath and putting some air into the thing. And then, and then seeing where you truly are before you can move on to the next element. Or it means going in an opposite direction sometimes as well. You have an idea in your mind. And if you, if you think that the only goal is that you could be cheating yourself and your partner out of something really phenomenal. You definitely are. Right. So, so in a nutshell, you really, I mean, it goes back to connecting, connecting with that person. So you have something yeah. very genuine going on. If it's genuine, it's, if nothing else, it's a starting place. Right. And you can move from there together into something that may be far more interesting than he and she get into a row. Right. Yeah. Brian, what have you got to add? Well, in a certain sense, I mean, I completely agree with, with what you guys are saying. I, in, in a certain sense, if your partner isn't giving you what you think they should, which is, you know, as a premise, you should examine, well, how do you know what should be happening, right? What should be happening is a fantasy that you've created based on, like you said, Andrea, based on the script or based on maybe even a rehearsal of what, what happened before you know, based on an expectation, but it's never, it's never what is happening. Mm. And so if you are putting weight on what should be happening or how the other person should be behaving or should be doing whatever he or she is doing, then you're missing what they actually are doing. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, and that going, that's going to, to what you guys have already been talking about, which is like, you're, you're, can, making a connection, you're putting your attention on what 
on what's happening in the moment and, and really being aware of, of the, what's happening moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes then what happens is in the moment, okay, let's say you think the scene ultimately should be a nine. That's how it's written, right? You're seeing it as a nine on the anger scale and your partner's are giving you a five. So what does that do to me in the scene? Yeah, that's right. My partner doesn't take me seriously enough. Exactly. He doesn't take the situation seriously enough. He doesn't respect me enough to be engaged with me. That's going to bring out something else in me, right? And so- And something real based on what's really happening. Organic, it's like like that moment in the scene becomes- what the heck are you doing at a five? Because you know what, buddy? We should be at a nine. This situation demands a nine response from you. And how dare you give me a five? But I would say that's easier to do when it's a scene where you have to get upset with the person. Yeah. Your first example where you have to fall in love with them and they are not present. That's much more difficult. And I think there's an interesting thing that sometimes happens in class. I, I do think we should circle back to readers and people we we were joking before we started recording about now with the with the stay at home orders and and the lockdowns that people are when they have a self tape they're doing it with um with their parents or people who are not really actors and as readers and that might be difficult for for people to do because a parent is probably not going to give you that much but an interesting thing that happens sometimes in class and this is with people who are who are starting out usually, which is that they go, Oh, well, my partner's boring, mm. you know, and, the blame and what, yeah, but the, but what's happening is if your partner's boring, that basically means that you aren't listening hard enough mm. to them because nobody who is alive is boring. Mm. Nobody who is breathing, a, a breathing human being is boring. They're, they might be secretive. They might be hiding things. They might have their defenses up. They might be bored with you, but all of that stuff can be incredibly interesting. And so if you pay attention to that stuff, then you will start to become engaged in them and dealing with what's actually happening rather than your expectation. Oh, there's, they should be doing more or something like that. Right. And if your partner is, is repulsive to you, there are ways to build empathy yes. with them, which is another way of saying connection. You know, if your partner comes late to rehearsal, maybe they just don't have their shit together enough. Mm-hmm. And how does that make me feel? Wow, that must suck for them. I can really empathize with that. And, and, and in that, you know, it's not maybe a romantic love, which you might be needing to feel for them, but it's a start anyway of saying, you know what, I can really relate to this day is just going shitty. Definitely f- looking for ways to find a connection to whoever is opposite you and going from what they really are doing. Because if they say a love line that is completely passionless, you know, but it's saying, I love you, let's have, get get married and move in together, but they don't care about it. If you really take in how they're doing it, if you have to get upset about that, well, obviously it's pretty easy to, to take that and get upset. And if you have to love that, maybe it's adorable how they said that. Right. You know, maybe, oh, you know, it's just, it's so cute. Oh, you just said that you didn't care about it. Oh, that's great. You know, you can, I think you can take a lot of different behavior and take in the actual behavior and find things within that behavior that you can respond to in the way that you need to, to get whatever 
you need to get done. Yes. Done. Right. It sort of brings up the, for me anyway, when you're sort of talking in that way and also sort of listening hard enough and, and being affected is the ability for the actor to always have a point of view of what is being said or done to them, whether it's not enough of what they want. It's still having to have a feeling about that so that you yeah. can say, as you, you know, it's cute or it's not enough. You know, you're being boring. So therefore, I'm going to let you know that and I'm going to give it to you. So, you know, with that comes hand in hand with the, with the necessity to have a feeling about everything. But in order to have a feeling about everything, you've got to be engaged with having a point of view of not getting something or being told that someone loves you, but you find it cute as opposed to romantically connected. Right. And haven't we seen it all so many times when one actor is particularly present to that and responds with that, right? It's really hard for the partner to ignore. For sure. Yeah. It takes a truly bad actor to, <laughs> yeah. to turn away from your truthfulness about the, about the connection or lack of connection. Which can happen. Oh, yes. But at that point, uh, you know, fuck them. <laughs> you know, seriously. <laughs> like, if that's, because that's a mistake in casting. You know, if you are really present and you're responding and you're doing your work and the other person isn't doing, isn't doing enough, we just talked about ways you, you can take that and respond truthfully to what is actually happening. And in a way that is also in line with whatever you need to get done for the, for the interaction that the author wrote for you to do. Mm. And if the other person isn't going to rise to that level, despite you giving them every opportunity by being present and being empathetic and being and listening hard, uh, Really, fuck them. They're, they're not, it's not worth worrying about. I've worked with some actors who are incredibly giving and incredibly strong actors who, if you, if you don't show up to the party, they're gone. They're, they're not stopping mm -hmm. for you and waiting for you to, to come along. They're going to do their thing mm -hmm. and they're going to be brilliant. And if you're not going to join them in that, uh, you're going to look like an idiot and that's your problem. There's a sense of you got to bring it, you know. I think, yeah. you know, this idea of having to really connect with someone is when when all else has failed, you know, we, we're forgetting that there's a director most of the time there which should take responsibility. And like you said, if the casting's... At like, least for the casting. Exactly. But, but, and if they're not taking responsibility and it's still not working, then, you know, uh, okay, then you've got to really draw on your technique and find a way of connecting first out of which, as Andrea quite rightly says to for something to grow um you know but but you're right this fight i mean for me when actors ask me i say well my first thing is what are you giving them in order for mm. them to give you what you say you need right you know don't blame yeah, that's what i mean by the blame yeah. game it's like think of it as a challenge it's like what what part are you looking after your side of the fence and are you bringing it you know, the same applies in a casting situation. You've got a bad, you know, you've got a reader. We've, we've mentioned this and it often happens where the reader is not giving you much because they're just reading and they're not necessarily actors or maybe they're casting assistants. And it's like, well, you know, if you bring it, you might actually elevate them. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. then, then you're on to, then it, the ball might roll and then you might g gather momentum. Yes. For sure. And, and the truth is, and I've said this to students in class when they talk about how their partner in a casting wasn't very good. And I said, well, that's not the job. The job is you bring your A game and you perform. And if it's a casting assistant and, and your agent 
if you have an agent says, well, you got bad feedback on this job or you didn't get it. And you go, well, the casting, the casting associate wasn't giving me what I need. They're going to look like you, like you, like you're insane. You know, really your job is to, is to do your work, put your head down. I mean, this is, this is included in this in a weird way is what we were talking about earlier, which is empathize and connect and, and be present and give them everything you have and all that stuff. But also fuck them, you know, like it's, if they're not going to rise to it, it's not like you need to stop and fix them. Mm -hmm. That's not your job, which is, I think what you were talking about, Gary, with the director, Right, right? right? It's not your job to fix the other actor in a professional set, even, even, even in a classroom setting. Really, it's the teacher's job or the director's job to deal with the other actor. And actors should really keep their head to, heads down and do their own work. But to pick yeah. up on what Andrea said, is that sometimes the problem is with me or with you, It's uh, rather than the other person, or at least the connection isn't there. For instance, I once did a, a tour, uh, a, a national tour with a, a guy who was very old, very English, very old school. And there, there was a, a scene where I had to break down in, you know, in uh, 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 feel really sorry for him. He had some terrible news, and because he was so, as a person, never mind an actor, quite closed anyway, and really didn't give me much of a time of day. I would ask if he wanted a coffee or a tea during her, nothing, you know, no, just get on with it. I was like, okay, this is not going to be the most, um, you know sort of uh, rock and roll kind of uh, show uh, and experience. So I'll just get on with it. But, you know, you, you know, it's like Nuri have said, you, te- you know, you, you, when the inspiration goes, you need your technique. And, yeah. and there was times where I had to just go, it, it wasn't even about connecting. It was just like, I got to make this work. Um, mm. This person mm. is just, is just going to be like this no matter what. And the direct, and in a way it suited the role, However, I had I had the problem because, you know, and it goes straight back to what Andre was saying is then in that case, I've got to make something happen for my reaction to happen because I'm letting it affect me or I'm getting affected even if I don't want it to affect me. So I just imagined the guy had cancer and he was still acting regardless of that. And it's a very simple imaginary thing. And that's the sort of compassion you're talking about. And I'm not trying to fix him but I was almost trying to fix myself, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. you have to do that too. But I agree, you know, you got to bring it and then the rest should follow. There are other collaborators in the room that also <laughs> can help, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've got a little analogy about football. Basically, this football player is Norwegian and that's why probably because he's Scandinavian could talk very intelligently about football as opposed to some English footballers, perhaps. Um, <laughs> treading carefully here. But anyway, he is presently the head coach of Manchester United, and he used to play for them. His name is Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, and he used to play for them. And towards the end of his career, because he got older, he would be more of a substitute, but he would be an impact substitute that became famous for always scoring and winning the match when they were when they were losing or drawing. He would come on for the last two or three years of his career, he'd come on and score the, the, the goal. And he said that I would watch the match while I was on the bench for the first 60, 70 minutes when I wasn't playing, I was on the bench. And I used to watch it and I used to see the energy it was being played at and the rhythm it was being played at. And when I was brought on, I would join that energy. I wouldn't try and change it straight away. I would join that energy, join it from within 
and then start to make moves where I'd find space and then get the ball delivered to me where I could score goals. So I knew where that was, where, where that needed to be, but I didn't jump into the action and try and hit people over the head with those moves and hit those people over the head with those changes. I would join it and then slowly make a connection with it, which is what you, and that's quite brilliant for a footballer to say that. Yeah. I find that very applicable. I'm reminded of a student of mine who did a play years ago at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which I just, I just did last August, but this was maybe 10 years ago. And, um, and this student was a really terrific young man. And in fact, he had quite, quite a lovely level of uh, success in American television. And so this was before anybody really knew him and he was doing this little play in a small space, but I was there with my family and we went to go see him. And he had a scene with a young lady when they were at a party and um, it's just the two of them creating this party atmosphere and they're clinking glasses and they're doing that interlocking of arms. And so they do that and there's a little kind of a fumble and a sweet moment and, and the play goes on. And afterwards, we're sitting at an Edinburgh pub, of course, having a, having a beer, a lager, and, and talking about it. And he says, oh, my gosh, my partner is so angry at me. And I said, why? He said, because we normally linked arms this way, and the, today we did it this way. And we came off stage and she just yelled at me that I completely threw her off by like doing it from the left instead of from the right. Huh. And we had a conversation about this, of course. And, and I'll never forget it because it was such a great example of, you know, an actor who's so focused on the wrong things that she's a deterrent to his being able to fully live out the scene because she's angry that he's not doing it the way it was rehearsed instead of being in the moment and enjoying maybe the mistake of it or the nuance of it or the unsuspected moment that, that he presents her with, right? It, it would, yeah, which would right. bring it to life. And you always want to be the actor that he was, who was sort of laughing, saying, are you kidding? Like, that was such a nice new mistake that happened. Something happened. Something yeah. actually happened. She probably went on to become an accountant. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I want to just ask you guys is, you know, a very practical thing. When you brought it up, Brian, was um, sort of vulnerability in terms of love or someone where you have to be more intimate and you just for whatever reason you can't because they're either a person who is behaving in a in a way which puts you off or they are just faking to the extent where that puts you off mm-hmm. uh i mean how do you how do you kind of combat those obstacles when it comes with intimacy we, we we mentioned it sort of with anger and confrontation and those which probably is a little bit easy because you can take exception to the fact that they're not giving you anything my path probably initially uh, would be to try to go with empathy and to try to see who they are as a human, even through the disgust and through the, you know, through the dislike or whatever it is mm. to say, what makes this person tick? What, right? Because everyone is loved or lovable on some level. Mm-hmm. And so it depends on how much time you have with that person. If you're, if you're showing up for a half a day to do a scene with them in, in front of a camera, you might not have that much time, but you might not need that much time. Like you were doing, Gary, with your, with your acting partner, 
where if you can't actually get to the core of who they are and get to what makes them human and worthy of love, you could just make something up about them that will move you in the right way. Right. So you're talking two routes, possibly. So one is finding something in them. So it's kind of boiling it down and just finding something that you can concentrate on that will engender the right behavior. Or Which I feel in, in certain ways it takes less work. Right. Because it's dealing with what's actually in them instead of with an imaginary kind of drapery on top of them. Uh But go ahead. Yeah, or... Yeah, or creating something, which is work. I mean, that's pure technique, isn't it? I mean, would it be something as simple as their smile or or something you've heard about them or or their hair or would it be physical or psychological yeah i think usually when i go to this route of empathy you take the behavior that is abhorrent and try to say what would cause this because any kind of behavior that is let's say putting you off yeah which is usually not coming out of their love, but out of their pain. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that if you look underneath whatever the external behavior is, that if if you're looking at it from your point of view, you're saying, well, that's offensive to me or that's disrespectful to me or whatever. But if you look at it from their point of view, that could be them defending themselves or it could be them just expressing their own discontent with life, which is something that is, I think, universal. Uh, We all have are discontent and we're all, we all feel pain and we're all lonely. And so if you recognize that in someone else, it's easier to connect with them and to, and to love them and to say, well, you're human and I can love you. And then, and then that as the, as the kind of chink in the armor through that, you can look at other behavior or other possibly physical attributes that they have and say, well, and then then that's lovable too. The way that you hold your, you know, hold your hand that way when you're, when you're defending yourself or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe that is too much work uh, uh, for, for certain people. I think, to be honest, if you're in a production situation, I would say do whatever technique is going to work for you. You know, if try a bunch of them, maybe very quickly and do whatever it is that works because all at the end of the day, it's not about any specific technique or way of getting there. It's about it's about that you get there. Sure. You know, I mean, what you're saying though is, is rather than let it shut you down, you've got to find a way to make it work. Always. I think you always have to find a way to make it work and you can get very creative. I mean, sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's just a simple little reset, almost like you do with children. When you distract them in some way or you get them, you get them connected to something new. Sometimes it can just be touching your partner on the arm or it can be that they expect a certain rhythm to take place in the scene and you stop the rhythm, you know, until they clue in with you and you almost get to them to the point of fear where they're like, is she going to do her line or not? But at least they're connected with you finally. And then you continue, yeah. you know, I've done that before. I've, I've, I've intentionally changed the rhythm to get my partner back with me. Um, sometimes it's just something as simple as that. I'll say I, I did a feature film. This is a, a longer challenge. You know, it, it couldn't be just solved sort of in the moment of, of one scene. But I did a feature film where I played a, a wife deeply in love with her husband who ended up betraying her. And um, I felt that um, the actor who, who I really, really liked so much, but I felt like the depth of his feeling about me in the work 
through the course of the film was not as strong as my depth of feeling for him. And you were better than him, basically, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> don't, put, don't put words in your mouth. I'm just kidding. No, he's really good. He's really good. And, and, and as a you're better. wonderful career. No, um, in my, in, in his defense, I had more time with the script and with the ideas of this. So I had a, a longer period of time to really deepen my every feeling about this, about this scenario. So instead of feeling frustrated that it seemed like he just in the story, he just didn't love me as much as I loved him. And as much as I thought the characters needed to be represented as, as, as equally passionate about each other. I just decided at some point I needed to use what existed, which was that he had a lighter approach to our relationship at that point in time and, and let that affect me and see what that did to me. Did that change how I behaved towards him in order to connect with him within the story? You know, did I feel like he was maybe already one foot out the door or did I feel like I needed to entertain him more or make him laugh a little bit more? Did I feel needier about him? Like I just had to say to myself, okay, I'm with an actor who maybe doesn't feel this as deeply, but that that's my truth. And so maybe the audience is seeing the same thing. I, I have to recognize the truth. So how is that going to impact my response to him within, within this, the scenes. And, and that's what I, that's what I had to do. I had to kind of take a little bit of a left in order to stay truthful with it. And in order to really honor what he did bring to me, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of come full circle as well to what we were talking about right at the beginning and connection, empathy, love, and, and, you know, even, even, you know, fuck it as Brian says, is, 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 you know, not all compassion is a kiss on the cheek, you know? Right. So they yeah, uh, fuck it and fuck you and you're boring and I'm going to let you know about it is, is compassion because you get somewhere and, um, it's the truth and mm. it's helpful. It's helpful. A fuck you or a fuck it can be helpful if done in, yeah. in the spirit of your acting to make the scene better. And I think that's ultimately, you know, it's about not running away and going in like a warrior and going, you know what, if I've got to just let go of everything and open up and just play it where it is, that's one thing. Or I've got to create something to have an effect, that's another thing. Or whether it's like, okay, I'm going to get beyond all of this difficulty and just find something that I can that will keep me here engaged yeah. with you, then that's another thing. Absolutely. Um, so cool. Well, that's uh, that's that's I've, I've learned more. Well, so I think. We should open it up so if people in the audience, if you have your own horror stories about working with someone who was just awful and what you did to mitigate that or to get through it, let us know on uh, on Vagabond Actors. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your stories. And if you have uh, questions about what we've talked about, then let us know or anything else. Right. We watched the National Theater uh, production of Treasure Island as a fan. Oh, very cool. Um, so each each week, I think it's on a Thursday, the National Theater has been putting out their National Theater Live um, shows on YouTube 
on their channel and it's up there for a week and you can watch it and and then they move on to another show and so we watched that with the kids and it was it was great the the production was great the acting was great the the theatricality of it was fantastic and the kids really enjoyed it yeah there's a lot of theaters doing streaming at the moment which is great for people like they've recorded actual productions and the high quality production value and, and streaming them so and they're all pretty much they're all free right yeah, yeah yeah well they're on youtube yeah they're all free yeah so great fantastic andrea um i have not been able to see any theater online this week but i did tune in to the um the concert that was put together by the one world together at home group um global citizen and lady lady gaga organized this concert fundraiser and it was you know the fundraising that was done was via the sponsors leading up to the concert they raised over 40 million for the world health organization and the concert was really just for people to enjoy and they had like a six hour run up of material and it was really interesting i haven't made my way through all of the six hours run up but um i've seen about an hour and a half of it and some other excerpts plus the two-hour concert and you know again it's so interesting with technology the rawness of of what we're seeing as people are performing from home or from local studios still really moves me. I'm I'm very I'm very touched by it. And and then often you see new interpretations of performances as well. And and I'm very interested in that, you know, as people are um maybe reconsidering how they went about performing a song under the current conditions or for different reasons. So I'm, I'm very interested in that. And there were some really beautiful performances in, in that concert that I would highly recommend. So if, if somebody has not taken the time to see that, you can pull it up on YouTube. Um, just type in Global Citizen, One World Together at Home, and you can find it. And, uh, and there's some really terrific stuff there. So I enjoyed that very much. Awesome. What about you, Gary? Yeah, I've taken a, a bit of a, a rest from binge watching TV series that I've been doing pretty quite a lot the last few weeks, and wanted to read a book. So, um, <laughs> I uh, I'm a big fan of John Le Carre spy novels, and particularly um, uh, the sort of the earlier ones where the the Cold War was still going on. And um, he's, he's so brilliant. He's a you know it's a spy novel. They're very genre. He's thought of as the you know the, the, the pinnacle, but he it's a very intelligent. Uh, right. It's not just a sort of James Bond sort of pulp level of writing. But the great thing about it from an acting point of view is that there are so many well-drawn characters. It's almost like a Dickens novel. He, his, uh, John Le Carre's spy novels populated with such vibrant and, um, well-drawn characters that they are also a source for, for fuel in, in one's characterizations, I find. Oh. So, so filmic. They're so brilliantly drawn. They're just the words they use and how he describes them that you get a very vivid understanding of these characters and the psychology behind them because they have, all have very strong points of view. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. So I, uh, my tip for the week is pick up a, a John Le Carre novel. Um, the Man Who Came In From The Cold was one of his first ones and the biggest one. So that's always a good place to start. Lovely. Excellent. All right. If you want to get in touch with any of us for whatever reason, Andrea, how can people contact you? I am on Instagram at Andrea Helene, A-N-D-R-E-A-H-E-L-E-N-E, on Twitter at Andrea Helene 3. So please find me there. 
I'm Brian. I am at Brian Casp with an I and an E at the end um, on pretty much everything. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah. And Brian's also available for weddings and bar mitzvahs. Bar mitzvahs if you, uh... you, you, you know, you make a joke, but my wife and I do have a, a wedding officiant uh, business. So, you know. <laughs> We're not doing that much at the moment, but if you want to come and have a wonderful destination wedding in Prague or thereabouts, um, look us up, pragueweddingofficients.com. Fantastic. Gary, what about yourself? How can people get in touch with you if they would like to have you do, be their reader? For myself, Gary Condes, I'm I'm on all the you know social medias, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, but you know, you're better off just going to uh, my website, garycondes.com. And you can also follow us at Vagabond Actors. Let your friends know that people who, who are actors or artists know. We'd love to hear from you guys. We would love to take your questions and your topics and discuss those. And so uh, get in touch. We, uh, we have a Facebook page. We're on Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, and you can also leave comments and reviews on the show. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks. very much. Good night, all. Good night. Bye.